our scripture reading is a responsive reading that comes from Psalm 104 and Isaiah 6-3. Hear the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He set the earth on its foundations. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of his work. Wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. There the birds make their nests. The stork has its home in the pine trees. The pine mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the badgers. The moon marks off the seasons, and the sun knows when to go down. The whole earth is full of His glory. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in His works. This is the word of the Lord. This morning we're taking a break from the Gospel of John. We'll return to John chapter 10 next Sunday. But this is Thanksgiving week. And we have chosen as a congregation, we did this last year, to have a Thanksgiving service the Sunday before Thanksgiving Day. You know, in old Israel, God commanded his people to, to feast during the harvest season as the harvest was brought in. And there were really three feasts, three celebrations. And all of them were a week long. Now, we have what we call Thanksgiving Day. I think that the church ought to get in the habit of saying it's a harvest time, of saying in November every year as we come to Thanksgiving Day, say, you know what, this is going to be a week of Thanksgiving for this church. And we're going to start on the Lord's Day, and it's going to be a Thanksgiving theme. We did it last year. It's kind of the same order of worship that we had this morning. The call to worship was about Thanksgiving and family that we will communicate this faith to our children. And we usually start off with the old hundredth. Last year, the hymn that we just sang, the choir led us. We sang that hymn at the beginning of our worship, all people that on earth do dwell. The old hundredth. Thanksgiving. And then our invocation was a recognition of all that God has done for us. Psalm one hundred. Four is a psalm of thanksgiving about God's creation. We're going to quote a little bit from it this morning in the message. 
Then we read responsibly. You, you, you saw, you, if you're visiting this morning, we had two large responsive readings. We usually don't have that. We usually have just one. But this morning we had two. And Psalm 103 was the second responsive reading. And it was about salvation. It was not about the creation, so to speak, but it was about our salvation in God, in his faithfulness to forgive us of our sins. And so this morning we come to our message from Psalm 34:8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Before we approach this subject, let's pray together and ask the Father to speak to us about all that he's done and speak to us about our thanksgiving and what we should be about. Let's pray together. Our Father, first, as your people, we thank you for your presence in this worship that is so obvious. Thank you for the profession of faith that we heard from Mallory, for the work that you're doing in her life. Our Father, we rejoice as a congregation at your goodness to us. And we bow before you now as we do every week as your priests. And we bring our special needs before you. That's what you've called us all to do. Every one of us in Christ are priests. And so we bow before you, bringing our concerns, our families, our children, our grandchildren, our friends, our neighbors, our work, and asking as we place them before you, asking your blessing. We thank you for the prayers that have been answered in this last year about members and friends of this congregation and how you've healed and how you've brought blessing to families as we've prayed. Our Father, we pray again this morning for John Albritton. Thank you for that successful surgery and we pray that you'll continue to restore him. We pray for Peter Ballinger this morning, Father. We pray that you would focus his vision on what you have prepared for him and that he will look forward even, even at this time as he nears the end. I pray that he will look forward to what you have prepared and he will be eager in that. We pray for Molly Roberts, Father. We pray that you would bring healing to her Give the doctors wisdom to know exactly what to do. We pray for John Rowan that you would bless him, prepare him for this surgery. We pray that this surgery will accomplish what needs to be accomplished, this crucial work. Bless Joan Schaefer. Bless the doctors to make the right decisions. Bring healing to her. We pray for David Mattingly. Father, we thank you for what you've done. We pray that you'll continue to restore him physically. We pray that you would give him many years yet among us, Father. We pray for Eileen Wood as she prepares to go to Cleveland Clinic. 
We pray that they will bring answers about the reasons for her illness. Not only bring answers, that they'll bring remedies, Father. We pray for Donna McManus, that she will gain strength so that she can have this important surgery. We pray for Phil and Sally Halley. Oh, Father, bless her. Bless Sally as she cares for Phil. We thank you for a testimony she's been to all of us in her care. We pray that you'll continue to bless Phil. Father, restore the movement in his body. Continue, Father, to bring healing. Our Father, now we bow before you. And we pray that you would speak to us. Open our eyes to see the glories of your creation. The glories of your providence. The wonder of it all. Father, I can't do that. No man that stands behind this desk can do that. And so as always, Father, at this point, as we open your word, we pray that you would teach us. You teach us by the power of your spirit. Open our eyes to see and open our ears to hear and open our hearts to receive and open our minds to understand. For the glory of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The sight, the sound, the smell, the taste, and the feel of grace. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That ends with an exclamation point. Exclamation comes from the word Exclaim. Exclaim means to suddenly cry out, to cry out with emotion, to declare a truth with excitement. Oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and know. Oh, taste and understand what? That God is good. Now, how do you taste of the Lord? Taste is one of the five senses. There's sight. There's hearing. The sense of smell. The sense of taste. The sense of feel. Why did God give us? I want to ask you a question. I want you to be able to answer. Why did God give us our five senses? They came from him. They had to be created for a purpose. Do you remember the first time you saw the ocean? Do you remember the first time you stood on the shore and looked at that endless expanse of water? I do. I was young, still in elementary school. I was in Nags Head, North Carolina, looking out at the Atlantic. Never seen anything like it. Some sights can never be forgotten. They're so wondrous. 
What if God had made such beauty and such wonders and not given us eyes to see? Then there's hearing. Don Williams is my favorite singer, my favorite country singer. In one of his songs, he sings about his childhood in the South. And he reminisces about hearing the southern breeze through the live oak trees. I've heard that sound. I know what he's saying. The blessing of hearing. There's there's the symphonic music. The loud music of rain and lightning and thunder and wind. There's the quieter music of the songbirds in the spring. Or there's that wonderful soothing sound, the repetitious music of the waves coming ashore. What if God had made all those sounds, all of them, but not given us ears to hear them? At Christmas time, I'm always looking for the perfect evergreen or bayberry candle to use at Christmas. Looking for that scent that I remember from childhood. What do we do when someone gives us a rose? What is the first thing we do? We smell it. All of us do it. You want to smell that wonderful fragrance that is unique to the rose. Well, what if God made all those sweet fragrances and did not give us a sense of smell? Then there's taste. Oh, this is wonderful. Taste that's as wide in variance as the east is from the west. From the taste of strawberries and cream to the wonderful, satisfying taste of turnip greens. From the taste of chocolate milk to the taste of cool limeade. From the delicate taste of Dungeness crab to the taste of lamb roasted over charcoal. From the sweet taste of watermelon to the pungent taste of an onion. What if God had made all these wonderfully different foods and drinks and not given us taste buds? Then there's a sense of feel. Very early in life, we learn the difference between the feel of wool and the feel of soft flannel cotton. There's a sensitive feel of a kiss given and a kiss received. Remember when you held that newborn child for the first time in your arms? What if God had made all those experiences and not given us the sense of feel? David As a poet of the Psalms, saw, heard, smelled, tasted, and touched 
of God's creation. And he cried out and said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Hebrew word there, the word tov, is good. It's the same word in Genesis 1 where God made the sun, he made light and said it's good. He goes through each step of the creation and God saw that it was tov, it was good. That's the word that's used here. And this is said all through scripture. What we're talking about is said all through scripture but in different ways. In Psalm 33.5, the poet says it this way. This creation, the earth, is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. That's how the ESV translates. The King James Version says good. It's the word hesed. The word hesed can be translated mercy or grace or goodness. It's repeated in Psalm 119.64. Again, the earth is full of your steadfast love. He looks at God and says, the earth is full of it. That word hesed is used all through Scripture. To speak of the goodness of God. To speak of the mercy of God. To speak of the grace of God. It can be translated using all three words. So when the psalmist sees, hears, tastes, smells, and feels God's creation, he proclaims, oh, taste, just taste. You'll experience the goodness of God. We read the same thing this morning in our responsive reading from Psalm 104. As the psalmist used different words to say it. Look at Psalm 104 on your scripture sheet. Verses 14 and 15. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate. Who does that? God does. God makes grass to grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. God blesses man. Through his creation. Here, Adam and Eve. Here, Adam and Eve. Here's a garden I have prepared for you. We still live in that garden. Now, don't say to me, oh, but there's sin. We'll deal with that. I understand that. But the creation remains. And he means for that creation to bless us. He not only gave us the world, he gave us eyes and ears and taste buds and nose and sense to enjoy, to enjoy his world. Look at Psalm 19.1. The heavens declare the glory of God. You see that? Look up at the heavens. They declare, they speak to you, they sing. Of the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out. Notice this. The voice of creation. It's a universal voice. It goes out to every nation. There's no language where this voice 
It's not spoken. Psalm 19, that psalm is about God. The total psalm from beginning to end is about God revealing himself to us. First in Psalm 19, we read that God reveals himself to us through creation. The theologians call that God's general revelation. Then in the second part of of Psalm 19, we read that God reveals himself to us through his spoken and written word, through scriptures. Theologians call that God's special revelation. So in the first part of Psalm 19, we read that God's creation speaks to us through all of our five senses. God makes us, God speaks to us through his creation. And we see with our eyes, we hear with our ears, we smell with our nose, we taste with our tongue, and we feel with our nerve sensitivity the goodness of God in his creation. That's what the creation reveals to us. It points to God. The goodness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the steadfast love of God. God's creation speaks to us every day through each of our senses. We're flooded with this. Look at Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, what God is like, his characteristics, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen. How have they been clearly seen? How have we seen this, the characteristics of God being understood from what has been made? Mallory learned that verse, memorized that verse as she prepared to join the church. You ought to memorize it. Look at creation and see what God is like. You know, sometimes we hear people say well, <clears throat> about the existence of God. Well, all you have to do to know that God exists is look at creation. Like the creation proves the existence of God. That verse is saying much more than that. You can not only see that God exists, you can actually see what God is like. Now, the unbelieving world only gets half of the message. The world can understand God's general revelation. The whole earth is full of goodness, but the world stops there. God's left out of it. The whole world is just full of goodness. The world sees creation, experiences creation. The world has its five senses. The world gets as far as sight itself, sound itself, smell itself, taste itself, and feel itself, and just stops and says, how wonderful for me. I love this. It's for me. Blessed me. Lucky me. And the world gorges itself on the sight and sound and smell and feel of creation. The world celebrates Thanksgiving, but it's strange when you say, well, whom are you thanking? Silence. It's not there. 
Look at Romans 1.25. Just before that, in Romans 1.20, he said, we can see what God is like as we look at creation. And then we read, they exchanged, that's the world, exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. What did they do? It didn't point them to God. They just looked at creation and started worshiping creation, loving creation above God. The world loves and lives for the sight, for the sound, for the smell, for the taste and the feel. It's their gospel of hedonism, of self-centered pleasure, living for pleasure. God's not involved. They only get half the message. Their senses tell them of the good things of the world around them, but they miss that the creation points them to God and to his wonder. Helen Keller, what a great story. She was blind. She was deaf. She lacked the sense of sight. She lacked the sense of hearing. However, in her dark and soundless world, she could still smell and taste and feel. Before the arrival of her great, great teacher, Ann Sullivan, she spoke about her childhood, her childhood at Christmas in their house. And she said this, listen to it. The making ready for Christmas was always a delight to me. Of course, I did not know what it was all about, but I enjoyed the pleasant odors that filled the house, the tidbits that were given to Martha Washington and me to keep us quiet. They allowed us to grind the spices and pick over the raisins and lick the spoons. I cannot remember, however, that the ceremony interested me especially, nor did my curiosity cause me to wake before daylight to look for my gifts, end quote. The opening sentence of that paragraph was what grabbed me. The making ready for Christmas was always a delight to me. Of course, I did not know what it was all about. She enjoyed it all. She filled her senses, but she had no idea for the reason, for the purpose, the foundation of it all. That's very much like the world in its reaction to all the wonders of creation. The world enjoys the sights, sounds, fragrance, tastes, and touch of creation. But they don't know what it's about. They don't know about real thanksgiving, about real worship. However, you may be sitting there saying, yeah, you're right. It's sad. But I must say that at least the world enjoys creation, even if it's in selfish satisfaction of its appetites. Helen Keller at least enjoyed the smells and tastes, even, she had no, even though she had no idea at the time of what laid behind it all. Sadly, sadly, there are Christians 
Christians who say they know God, who say they know the Creator, who say they know Christ, they even say they look forward to heaven. But they constantly resist reveling in the sights and sounds and smells and tastes and feels of His creation. Thinking, "Ah, it's too serious for that. It's just too serious. This world is in terrible shape. And it's, it's just sinful to revel in all these sights and sounds and all this creation. It's such a worldly thing. The world gets half the message. The whole earth is full of goodness. Then there's sad Christians who get the half that says there's a God. He gave his son to die. And they're eager for heaven, they say. But they've never uttered the words. Except when they're quoting scripture. But it's not with any enthusiasm. And they don't know what it says. They've never really cried out with thankful tears shouting. The whole earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. So often I feel alone. On one hand, I'm with a group of pagans. Who are selfishly feeding their senses. And they have missed the greater knowledge of understanding the God who gave them this bounty. They neither know the creator or the savior. Then I feel just as alone in a group of Christians who trudge through this Christian life as if the wonders of this creation never, ever existed. Folks, when we see that ocean, that site is designed to enjoy Period. Do you enjoy it? Do you really? And it's designed to point us to God. Yes, it is. It's designed. You know, what sense does it make to say it, it's made so that it points us to God, but it's not made to enjoy? You cannot say that. You've got to include both. When we hear the southern breeze blowing through the live oak trees or the music of the songbird, those sounds were designed to enjoy and to point us to God. When we smell the rose, the scent of the fragrance was designed for us to enjoy and to point us to God. When we taste the strawberries and whipped cream, that taste was designed for us to enjoy and to point us to God. People, that's the message of creation. The Christian should go through life shouting to all the world. The whole earth is full of his goodness. In spite of sickness, in spite of death, in spite of storms, every person in this room can stand up and say, let me tell you about the clouds in my life. Let me tell you about the storms in my life, the dark days in my life. But that does not cancel the goodness of God in his creation. The psalmist wrote, the whole earth is full 
of your mercy, God. He was saying that there's an additional message of creation. When you see the ocean, it only sees goodness. You not only enjoy it, but you see his mercy, you see his grace. When you hear the sound of the waves, you hear mercy and you hear grace. When you smell the sweet fragrance of the rose, you smell mercy and you smell grace. When you taste cranberry sauce over a succulent slice of turkey, you taste mercy, you taste grace. You say to me, why? What's the difference? Why mercy? Why are we tasting grace? Because we have rebelled against God and his word. We've rebelled against his reign. And we don't deserve any of the goodness, not an ounce of his mercy. You cannot say ever, 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 I deserve his mercy and grace. You don't. At your Thanksgiving table, look at the wonder of God's provision and know that we do not deserve a bite of this food. The world walks through this incredible beauty walks through the incredible beauty of this world as if it deserves it, as if he deserves it. In fact, the world indicts God if there's a cloud or a storm. The Christian walks through the incredible beauty of this world and he weeps twice. He weeps because it comes from God and it's good. And God had... God gave it for us to enjoy. But also he weeps because it's grace. He knows that he doesn't deserve even a scrap from the table. So folks, this week of Thanksgiving, this week of family and feasting, see, hear, smell, taste, and feel, and enjoy it. Don't feel guilty. Don't apologize. The Bible commands it. God said to go and feast. But if it doesn't cause you to thank God, to love God, to praise God, then something's wrong. That's what the world does. And you pray and you ask that all of this blessing will lead you to love him and thank him. And then you see and hear and smell and taste and feel until you're drawn to him. Go home today and see, hear, smell, taste, and feel And know that you're seeing grace, that you're smelling grace, tasting grace, feeling His grace. Know that we are experiencing His goodness that we don't deserve. If you're not humbled to tears at how low you are and how gracious God is, then ask God to show you your sins. Very graphically. Show Him, ask Him to show you your own dark heart. Until the greatest wonder is that God has allowed you to breathe, allowed us to breathe another breath. Well, I'm at the end of the message. What's the greatest gift? What's the greatest grace? 
sometimes we say, what do you like to do best? You know, well, what's the best? What's the best gift? What's the best grace? Sometime this week, maybe at the end of your Thanksgiving meal, when you've seen and heard and smelled and tasted and felt, read two verses to your family. I mean this. Read to your family at the end of Thanksgiving meal. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The first that he chose to tell you how much he loved you points toward his son. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's, you'd be saying, this is good on this table, but there's better. And his name is Jesus. And then read Romans 5 eight. God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's all grace, people. Folks, the whole earth is full of the goodness of God. What is that? What is that that we see and hear and smell and taste and feel this day? It is the sight and sound, the smell, the taste and feel of the grace of God in Christ Jesus. Amen.